Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. You know, there are so many uh, different uh, movies out there that, that capture stories of, of great kings, right? And what they did in their time. There are movies based on history and there are movies that just tell a great fictional story full of action and adventure. And so our sermon series today is Kings of Old. Um, we're on, I think, part three of this. And it's based on stories of the kings of Israel and Judah found in the Old Testament books of Samuel, uh, Kings and Chronicles. And Israel was once a united kingdom with just one king. The very first king was Saul, and after him uh, was King David, and after David was his son who became king, known as King Solomon. Now after King Solomon, Israel then split into two kingdoms. And so then we had the northern kingdom, known as the kingdom of Israel, and then the southern kingdom, known as the kingdom of of Judah. And these kingdoms, they, they never reunited again. And when we look at the southern kingdom of Judah, there were 20 kings that came from this kingdom. And out of these 20 kings, only about six or seven of them were godly kings. Um, I say six or seven because, you know, it depends whether you count how the king started and how they finished. Uh, the rest of those kings you know, in, in, in this part of the world, the southern kingdom of Judah, the rest of them were evil. And last week, if you remember, if you were here with us, we learned about King Asa, who was one of those kings from the southern kingdom of Judah. And so today we will be looking at one of the kings from the northern kingdom of Israel. And his name is, uh, sorry, and even in the northern kingdom, there were uh, 19 kings there, right? And out of all 19 kings, right? Not one of them were followers of God. All 19 were evil kings. And so that's where we start today. We're going to be looking at one of the kings from this northern kingdom of Israel, and his name is Jehu. Let me briefly tell you his story and how he became king. Now, take note here. If Jehu's story ever became a movie, it would probably be rated R18 because of all of the violence and all of, you know, the other crazy things that happened during this time, conquering the kingdom of Israel. There is so much corruption involved in the story. So Jehu was a respected warrior who would eventually become the 10th king of the northern kingdom of Israel. But before Jehu took the throne, he actually served the king at the time, known as King Jehoram, and as the commander of his army. And before King Jehoram, Jehu had been the bodyguard, right, of King Jehoram's late father, King Ahab. And you might recognize the name Ahab as being the king who was married to this evil queen, and you may have heard of her, her name was Queen Jezebel. So Ahab had died and had passed on his kingship to his son, Jehoram, and Jehoram's mother, Queen Jezebel, was, she was still alive, so still alive, 
supporting his son while he ruled over the northern kingdom. But this kingdom was about to come to a dramatic end. Look with me at 2 Kings uh, chapter 9, starting at verse 6. And this is what it says. Then the prophet, there was a prophet that came along and he anointed Jehu's head with oil. And he declared, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anoint you king over the Lord's people, Israel. You are to them destroy the house of Ahab, which is King Jehoram's dad. And I will avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the Lord's servants shed by Jezebel, which is King Jehoram's mum. So the whole house of Ahab and Jezebel will perish. This, man, this is serious business. And guess what? Jehu, he goes straight into action. First, you know, he, he kills King Jehoram. That set him up to becoming the next king, pretty much. Then, not only did he kill, you know, King Jehoram, but on the very same day, he killed another king, known as King Ahaziah. Now, King Ahaziah was actually the ruler, the ruler of the southern kingdom of Judah. So that was like a huge thing done in a single day, assassinating two of the most um, you know, kings around, and in heavily guarded men alive, which were the king of the north and the king of the south. So then his next target was King uh, Jehoram's mum, the one and only Jezebel. Now, Je Jezebel was a major obstacle. She'd have so much influence when her husband Ahab had been king, and she was still, you know, um, very much in charge in her son's kingdom, after her husband died. So Jehu needed to get rid of her. And she died, man, she actually died a gruesome death. Within these chapters, I'm, I'm cutting the story short, but you need to read the whole story of Jehu. But what happens with Jezebel here in my short version is she gets thrown out of the palace window, pretty much hits the ground, and just to end it, you know, she gets trampled by horses, Jehu and his men. They trample her on, you know, with their horses. And her dead body, later on that night, gets eaten by dogs. <laughs> but that's not all. Jehu's killing spree was just getting started. He killed all of King Jehoram's brothers. And get this, King Jehoram had 70 brothers. That means these 70 brothers, every single one of them, were heirs to the throne. Yet Jehu murdered them all. And he killed all of Jehoram's family, relatives, any loyal friends um, and companions to the king. And you can read that in his story, as I said before. Jehu wiped every last one of them out. And lastly, the final group of people Jehu kills were these guys known as the Baal, the, the Baal worshippers. Now, Jehu was, he was pretty cunning with the way that he went about killing the servants and the worshippers of Baal. What Jehu did was he pretended, right, 
to put on a celebration together, all the Baal worshippers at one location, he literally tricked these idol worshippers into thinking he was going to make the biggest event ever for them, you know, to worship Baal. So they all needed to come. They all needed to be there. All the Baal worshippers were impressed, you know, with with Jehu um, and his ideas, and they all turned up to this event. As soon as they all turn up, all in the same room, look at what Jehu does with them. In 2 Kings chapter 10, verses 25, this is what happens. Jehu ordered his guards and officers, go in and kill these Baal worshippers. Let no one escape. So they cut them down with the sword. The guards and the officers threw their bodies out, pretty much out onto the street. Um, they, verse 26, it says, they brought the sacred stone out of the temple of Baal and they burnt it. Verse 27, and they tore down the temple of Baal. And it says uh, further on in those verses that that temple area became uh, the local toilet for the community. So it must have been a lot of long drops in their time. And so like I said before, if the story was a movie, and I've given you such a short version, and if you were to read his whole story, which I encourage you to, you'd see that it would be a violent action movie that I would love to watch instead of these chick flicks any day. And I'm so grateful my, my wife loves action movies. And so we learn here that Jehu was anointed. He was anointed by God to become king over the northern kingdom of Israel. And then after being anointed, he took action and did what God told him to do straight away. We read in those verses earlier on that he destroyed King Jehoram and his father Ahab's house, the whole household. However, let me remind you uh, of the saying, and we've mentioned this saying every week since starting this sermon series, and it's this, it's not how you start, but it's how you finish. Up until this point of the story, Jehu had done well for himself. Baal worship, you know, that was a slap in the face to God. And Jehu got rid of this false god you know, for the entire northern kingdom. But in the following verses, we see the decline of his success. In verse 28 of that uh, same chapter, chapter 10, it says here in verse 28, so Jehu destroyed Baal worship in Israel. And then it says, however, he did not turn away from the worship of the golden calves. Verse 31 says, Jehu was not careful to keep the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. The reason why Jehu did not get rid of the worshipping golden calves was because the worship of golden calves was implemented by the very first king of the northern kingdom of Israel. So in that span of time of the first king to the tenth king, which was him, that was a hundred years prior to Jehu becoming the tenth king to reign. A hundred years. You see, it was easy for 
him to get rid of Baal worship because that was a false god that was introduced to people um, of Israel by an outside nation. Whereas the golden calf worship, well, that was designed by the Israelites themselves. And so they that had this 100-year-old tradition of worshiping the golden calf, and it was part of the northern kingdom's identity and culture for generations. A hundred years of those golden calves. Not calves. Not golden arch. <laughs> the cow. It had always been part of their life since becoming their own separate kingdom. Now, Many of you wouldn't know this, right? But July 2020, this month, is the anniversary month of Every Nation Ministries being in Auckland for 20 years. And some of us in this room have been around for that long. Many of those people still here came through uh, campus ministry 20 years ago. That's how Every Nation here in Auckland started on the University of Auckland, which was in the city campus. And some of our traditions, uh, church culture, and even church upbringing from those times, we actually still carry and believe in today. Things uh, such as discipleship, uh, lordship, uh, accountability, spiritual family, uh, reaching the next generation of campus and youth students. That's just to name a few. These are some strong traditions that have never changed all these years, and they still remain. Now, it would be hard, right, for every nation south side right now after 20 years, if someone came into our church leadership and tried to implement a whole new focus that didn't focus on the areas I just mentioned. I know for a fact that myself, my wife, and even many of you sitting here today have felt God add you to the spiritual family because you too believe in these very traditions and church culture of what every nation, uh, every nation's south side is shaping today. But there are some traditions that are good and absolutely necessary for our church here. But we better make sure these traditions are biblical. There are some things in our church that God is going to make us rethink on how we do things as Christians who reach out to others desperately seeking God but have no clue how to find Him. The way we do church may change and look different as time goes by. The way you reach unchurched family and friends is going to change from the way you did it before. I believe it's even going to challenge your very own way of Christian thinking. God is going to refresh your mindset to think outside the box of your traditional way of being Christian. Church family, can I say this in love? And after saying all those things, this isn't a time to be lazy with your walk with God. 
I know we are all on this amazing journey in this walk for Jesus. But if I can be open and honest, for some of us in this room, God is asking for more of your life. He's asking for you to be committed to him wholeheartedly. It's like your life has been great, but you know God is challenging you for more. You've been good at busting down a lot of things in your life like Jehu did at first, right? Getting rid of Baal worship. But it's time to reflect on your life right now and allow God to show you what your golden calves are that also need to be busted down because those have been the very things holding you back from a season God is wanting to bless you in. You see, there is one thing in the book of the law that was written down for all the kings of Israel in the Old Testament and Judah for them to do. All the kings were to do this. And it's this verse here, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Simple words. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. We learned today, Jehu was anointed to be king. We read how committed Jehu became in putting action to his calling and his purpose. But the problem was, was he didn't love the Lord with all his heart. On the outside, everything looked good for Jehu, but he didn't have a transformed heart, which was a big reason why he refused to go all the way for God. And because of this way of leadership, his leadership, you know, not getting rid of those golden calves, that the northern kingdom of Israel began drifting further and further away from God because of Jehu's choices. Get this, day one as king, Jehu. He sets up all these things, but he doesn't fully obey what God is asking him to do. He keeps those golden calves. Did you know that Jehu then reigns as king for the next 28 years of his life. Imagine day one being king and you were born on that day. And then you have a culture that has been taught that is a half pie follower of God. And then you grow into that culture. You grow into that tradition. And 28 years later, you've drifted away from God because of a leadership decision, because of a decision that wasn't God, Godly. You and I can learn from Jehu's story. You may reflect back in the past, I, can, I sure do, when I was at high school in my senior years. Um, you know, I was in a lot of, I was in different sports teams and I was in different uh, school groups. I even made the swimming team. Um, I cheated my way into the swimming team, man. Um, you know, it was so funny. And then when we went for training to go to the swimming competition, I was telling the coach, I can't swim. <laughs> I was literally had my feet on the ground when I was doing the backstroke and pushing like this. Um, our swimming comps were, I mean, our swimming, you know, school activities were just clowning around half the time. But I was on all these groups, and that was one of them. And, and my grades were good to be honest. 
I got along with all the teachers right to the point where uh, one, of, one of our teachers would, would give me the keys to certain classrooms for me to go and study late, um, you know, uh, in, in, the, in the classrooms. And so a whole group of us boys would go and study late and then muck around. It's like, this is what happens when you have the keys for you to study and then you gather everyone else, right? You don't end up studying at all. But this is how it felt like when I was at school. In my senior years, it seemed like I had it all together on the outside. And all my friends probably saw that, that I had it all together on the outside. But no one knew the sinful lusts in the, that, that controlled me as a young man and how corrupt my life was. Over time, those sins started catching up to me, going into my uni life. And as I hit rock bottom, man, I had nowhere else to turn to but Jesus. And it was God's undeserving mercy and grace, you know, that helped me understand that I needed to love him with all my heart. And the more I pressed in, the more I loved him with all my heart. And then, only then, my actions began to naturally follow. And the more and more as I lived by following God, uh, God with all my heart, more and more I've witnessed God transform me to, to be more Christ-like in my heart, in my thoughts, and even in my actions. Only by the undeserving grace of God uh, through his son Jesus am I able to stand before you as the person I am today. God wants the same for your life today, family. Yes, you may have busted down all the Baal worship that have been in your life, but now it's time to commit to busting down the golden calf that might be lingering over you for too long. It's a question. So the question is this, what are the golden calves God is telling you to bust up? Are you an action type of Christian, but amongst all your action, you have totally missed the relationship aspect of who you are in Jesus? You know, there's times where, from time to time, when I bump into Christian friends that, you know, not, not part of our church and haven't seen them in a long time, and, you know, as you say, man, how's it going? I don't know if this happens to you. It happens to me a lot. Maybe because I'm a pastor, I'm not too sure. But I'll say, man, bro, how's life? Or how have you been? And, you know, their response straight away, oh, man, well, praise the Lord. You know, church is going really well. You know, I'm running a couple of groups. I'm the leader of this, and I'm leading worship here. And straight away, I run from that to the ushers. I'm doing all these things for the Lord. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, I didn't ask that question. <laughs> I just wanted to... What's up, bro? <laughs> oh, you know, yeah, God's been great. You know, I've run these small groups too, and just so, I've just been so busy. I'm, it's almost like I'm burning out. It's like I'm doing more work than the pastor. Listen, I just going, wow. Yeah, I didn't ask you that question either. There are times when I'm praying to God, right? Now, this is on me, about church things and, and what I want to see happen here in Every Nation Southside. And sometimes, man, my prayers, right, I'm, thank you, Lord, for all these things. And then all of a sudden, from 
prayers of thanksgiving, they turn into frustration. <laughs> and then God, you know, through my frustrate, frustrated prayers, there's this, it's God just reminds me, ah, Taulu, you know, I don't actually need you in order to build my church. It will grow the way I have destined it to grow, with or without you. Now, when I get those kind of prayers, man, I repent. Because that's some humble pie right there for me to hear. So I'm reminded that I don't have to do this job as a pastor. I don't have to do this job as someone that loves God wholeheartedly. The thing is, I get to do it. Me and my wife, we love what we do here. We're so passionate. I get to study God's word for my personal life every week. And then I come and I get to share it with you all. And what God has challenged me with on a personal level, I get to be part of this most amazing church family that has, let me tell you, that has a unique call for God's work in this community that I promise you will cause a ripple effect throughout New Zealand, the South Pacific, and even the world. You are part of God's plan. So the question again, what are the golden calves God is telling you to bust up in this season of your life right now? I want you in this time at the end or in the week, even after the church, if you get to sit around with some friends, I want you to talk to someone about your answer. Maybe you need to think about it as well. But to talk about your answer to that question today, I want you to then get them to pray for you and to help you stay strong in the faith as you begin to break down the golden calves God is commanding you to break in Jesus' name. Be encouraged, church, because God has not forgotten you. No matter where you are at, he hasn't forgotten you. The journey, it's not how you start, but it's how you finish. Now, King Jehu was 28 years reigning. He started evil, and he finished evil. But those 28 years created a culture with a lot of others that followed suit. And over time, the whole kingdom of Israel falls apart. Are you wanting that for your household? We heard a great testimony today of mum and, and, uh, and son and, and the journey that they've gone through and the journey that they're going through right now. Something that a mum that is setting up for greatness and her son is following suit and doing some things that a lot of us probably would never even think about doing. But God has put him in that place. What about your life? What about your kids if some of you have children? Some of them may be one, two, three, four. How are you doing life in God right now to set something up for them that when they're 20 years old or when they're 18 years old, when they say, Mom, Dad, I'm moving out. Or I'm doing this and I'm doing that. What are you setting up? Do we want to set up like Jehu or do we want to obey God's commands and, anni and uh, annihilate everything that stands in the way 
of us living for him. We're not perfect, but I trust you. Like I said before, God has not forgotten. He has you. He's with you. He'll guide you. So these are the things I want us to think about this week as you go away today and, and, and pray. Go away. Read some books. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to do that. That just came out of nowhere. It wasn't even a Holy Spirit moment. <laughs> but, but, you know, you know what I mean. And I say this in so much love for you guys. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you.